Hey, ladies, welcome to Speak Life Project with Lex. I'm so glad that you stopped in. This is a place where we talk about all the things from real life topics, daily struggles, and most things that people don't want to talk about. We're going to dive in, and this is part two of five or 10 traits of a godly woman. So last time I mentioned five traits of a godly woman and I expounded on those traits, what that looks like and explain the why behind it. And so I just want to continue the 10 and throw out five more for you today so that we have something to look forward to as a woman something to grow into because we're not going to be all the things all at one time, but it's something that we can look forward to growing into, to aspire to be like, because when you have these traits of a godly woman, you're representing Christ and it's the fruit of your time that's spent with the Lord. And it, it reveals the work that you've been putting in to really drawing near to the Lord. And so I think I will mention the other five and then jump, hop right into the next five. So last time, number one was a woman of the word, a praying woman slash a gatekeeper of the home. A loving, gentle woman is number three. Number four is she takes care of her house. And then number five is she's devoted to her husband. That's a godly woman. Five godly traits of a, a godly woman. And so the next five, I'm going to start off with, so this is number six, generous. One of the traits, number six is, sorry guys, I'm like messing up my words. So the sixth trait of a godly woman is to be generous. She's generous, right? So what does generous mean? That means that she's giving. She has a giving heart. We know that if we're trying to look like Jesus, he's giving. He's always giving, giving, giving. And we know that the word says that it's better to give than receive. Why? Because when you give and you're extending your arms out to others that are less fortunate, that can't pay you back, there's a blessing on the other side. And then there's also fulfillment that takes place in you. And I'm speaking from experience. So my husband and I, we give. We give our time. We give money. We give where we can and we don't expect anything in return. And when I tell you that there's such a joy that comes on you when you're giving to someone and you see their reaction and they can't pay you back, you're literally showing and representing and being the hands and feet of Christ. And so a godly woman, someone that's looking like a reflection of God, the one that she's aspiring to be like, is going to be generous just like God, right? He's generous with us. Everything that's his is ours, right? And so why not show that same compassion and, and, and give that same thing to others that can't pay you back? And I don't know about you, but I've met some really stingy people throughout my 31 years of living <laughs> to the point where you're like, oh my goodness, like what's the point of being that stingy? And it, all, it all boils down to like jealousy, or not jealousy, I'm sorry, selfishness and fear. But we don't have to be like that. We don't have to be so stingy that no one wants to be around you or you're known as that person of not wanting to give. So if you're wanting to be a godly woman and known as that, be generous, give to the poor, help the needy, 
Give to those around you that can't pay you back. And I'm telling you, there's a blessing and a joy and a fulfillment, a fulfillment on the other side. One of the examples that I can give you for that is if you don't have the money, say you're like, well, I don't know how I can be generous or how I can give to others if I don't have the money. Give your time. So once a month, there's a group of us that go hit one of the local shelters, the homeless shelters in our area. And we go give an hour, hour and a half. It's not even that long. And we just go love on the people. We pray with them. We make food. We have a a person that makes food at our church and we take it to them and we help serve the food. And then after we're done serving the food, we go love on them. Sometimes we give a word from the Bible. Sometimes we sing songs. Sometimes some of the people in our group will do a craft with the kids there. And we leave that place smiling. We know that they can't pay us back, but we know that we were the hands and feet of Christ. And there's just something that takes place with stepping out and sharing the love of Christ and being generous with what you do have. And that that whole thing that we do is all free. You don't have to use any of your money. It's just using your time. And time is more valuable than money because what you do with your time shows what's important to you. And so if you can't give money, be generous by giving your time, by giving food and being hospitable. That's another way. And being hospitable doesn't mean you have to open up your home. You can go take someone to a coffee shop, go take someone to a drive through being hospitable is inviting someone into your life and in you being a light to that person and making them feel welcomed. That's basically what that means. And so each and every one of us can be generous and hospitable with those that are around us. Number two is hardworking. I mean, not number two, I'm sorry. Number seven, this is like throwing me off, but number seven is hardworking. That is a trait of a godly woman is being hardworking. I don't know about you, but seeing someone that's lazy does not make me want to be like them. And part of having traits of a godly woman is to be an example to those around us. And so we don't have time to be lazy. When you're lazy, other areas or most areas in your life suffer. So when we look at this trait, and when you look at the Proverbs 31 woman, the woman that everybody is trying to grow towards, she's hardworking. So this person is hardworking and always trying to find ways to do things to make her house good, to make the people around her good, to take care of herself, to take care of others, to be productive with the time that God has given you because life is but a vapor. You literally can float through life, give in to all the distractions and look back and like 50 years have gone by and you're like, oh my goodness, where did the time go? Next thing you know, you're like, I didn't even do half the things that I know that I was supposed to do. And so when you're hardworking and you're putting your hand to the plow and you're showing the Lord that I want to be a good steward with what you've given me, you notice that with hardworking people, most of them are successful because they're willing to put in the work. And so that can be you. If you have not, go back and listen to How to Get Out of Your Lazy Girl Era. It's a episode that I talked about ways that you can overcome laziness because it's a real thing. We don't have to skate around the subject. We don't have to try to ignore it. 
being lazy or having that slothfulness where you don't feel like doing anything and giving into it is something that most people or some people deal with. So if we could talk about it and shed light on it, maybe you just don't know, then we can work towards being hardworking. And when you're hardworking, opportunities arise and then you're able to grow and not just stay stuck in one place. So hardworking and hardworking can just look like you not sitting around. When God asks you to do something, you're in there. When God gives you a word through somebody, instead of just sitting and waiting for that word to take place and to happen, I used to do that. Like there were, there was a time in my life where I procrastinated. I felt slothful. I had no energy. And a lot of the things was my own for my own doings because I chose not to eat right or I chose to stay up late too long. Being hardworking helps you to be intentional with your time and not just waste time because not only should we be a good steward with what God has given us physically, but also with our time. If we can show him that we value our time and value the days that we do have here on earth, he's going to trust you with doing more for his kingdom because he's like, man, I can rely on this person to get the job done. Not only with God, but also People that are hardworking in entities and in corporations and churches and different things, they are asked upon to do things more because they know that they are reliable, someone that they know that if they ask them to get the job done, they're going to get the job done. So I went from that person that procrastinated, didn't do all the things, didn't really care and steward my time to now really being intentional with stewarding my time and what I am doing with what God is putting on my plate. And I've noticed that the more that I focused on that and be, and chose to be responsible, be a responsible adult with those things that he's putting on my plate, it's been increasing. And it's hard some days. Some days you're like, I don't feel like it. I'm tired. But being hardworking shows the Lord that you really care about the things that he's put in front of you. So number seven is, hardworking. That's a trait of a godly woman. Number eight, trustworthy. First Timothy 3.11 talks about that, being trustworthy. A trustworthy person is someone that people can trust in. People can know that if I was to tell you something, if I was to confide in you, if I was to ask you to get something done. I know that I can trust you to do it. I know that I could trust you to not gossip. I know that I could trust you to do what you set out to do. So that's a huge one because someone that's not trustworthy is someone that you know that. I know for me, when someone's not trustworthy, you want to avoid them. And it's crazy because you can spend a lifetime or a whole lot of time building trust. And it takes that like a a second for that trust to be betrayed and for that trust to come crumbling down for you have to, for you having to build it again. So being a trustworthy person is something that is a a trait of a godly woman because when you're trustworthy, you're someone that people can trust in and, and confide in. People can know that you're going to be faithful and do what you said you're going to do. I feel like that's all wrapped up in the same word of trust, like letting your yes be yes and your no be no not gossiping and sharing everybody's business with everybody. 
you can't trust somebody that's like that. Because, you know, if you tell them something, they're going to broadcast it to everybody. But someone that's trustworthy, you know, hey, I know that that person is mature in Christ. They knew they know who they are. So if I was to share this piece of information, I know that they're going to not gossip and spread it around. So I'm going to trust this person. I'm going to lean on them. I'm going to confide in them. And you want to be that woman that people can confide in and know that they can trust you. And the minute that you build that trust, people will go to the ends of the earth for someone that's trustworthy, that's loyal. Those all go hand in hand. So you want to have that trait as a godly woman, I'm telling you. Then number nine is full of God's wisdom. Full of God's wisdom. What does that mean? So as godly women, we want to have an understanding that comes from God. A lot of times there's situations that take place. There's things that happen amongst people. There's maybe circumstances that arise and we may not understand it from our human understanding, from our minds. And some things we're not meant to understand. But when you have wisdom that comes from God and when you ask him, he gives you an understanding of things like, man, I could have never guessed that on my own, but through your wisdom, I was able to understand what to do in this situation. I was able to understand how to help this person. I was able to share a piece of advice that literally came from heaven. Cause if it came from me, it would have not been in that package, if that makes sense. So one thing that I started to do personally in my life is my pastor encouraged us to ask for wisdom one time. I think this was last year, every day. He's like, every day when you're talking to God and praying to him, ask him for wisdom. And then we would come to church and he's like, how many of you guys asked God for wisdom today? And only a, hand, a, hand, a handful of people would raise their hands. And I realized when I started to ask for wisdom every day that I would literally get these nuggets and revelation of certain things that I always wanted to know on what to do with the situation. It would just quickly come into my spirit. And I'm like, okay, I know what to do. It helped me make great godly decisions. Wisdom helps you make great godly decisions. And so when a woman has a trait, a godly woman has a trait of the wisdom of having the wisdom of God, it makes you wise beyond your, your years. You literally can be 20 years old, but when you have the wisdom of God, you can be given advice of a 40-year-old woman. And so if you seek that instead of other petty things that people do at a young age, you're going to be wise and more mature than people that surround you. And I don't know about you, and I keep saying that because I don't know what you're thinking, but I know for me, I want that. Those things are the things that I cherish is to focus more on my character and things that I can do to set me apart because we're all called to be set apart and not look like the ones that were around, right? The worldly ones. But if we can get around people that are set apart, that are holy, that are chasing the things of God, that want wisdom, that are mature in the things of God, then you're going to see that your life will look different from everybody else in a good way. And people are going to glean from you and be like, oh my goodness, why do you look different? Why am I drawn to you? Why do you have so much wisdom? And you get to say, because I ask for that wisdom that comes from God, that only comes from God. And when you begin to have those things take place, you also get this confidence that comes from God and a boldness that comes from God. So I 
believe that having wisdom as a woman is something that's that'll take your walk with the Lord even so much further. Because not only will you have wisdom for situations and circumstances that you need an understanding in, but you can have wisdom on what to do with your kids and how to raise them in the proper way. You can have wisdom on what to do in your marriage when stuff happens and in the natural, you don't know how you're going to get through, but you have that faith and you have that wisdom that comes from God. And then you have an understanding on what to do and making the right choices. Uh, And that to me just sounds so beautiful. It sounds like a blessing to be able to walk in the wisdom of God just by simply asking him to give you that. And he will. Last but not least, number 10. And I think I covered this one in the last one, but I worded it differently. I put submitted to God and her husband. And number five of part one, I said devoted to her husband. But I'm going to talk about submitting to God. Because if we are wanting to have traits of a godly woman and we don't submit to God, then you're not going to get there. That's another fundamental foundation of our faith is to submit to God. Because you can read the word, you could do all the things, but if you're not going to submit to him and what he's asking you to do, then it kind of defeats the whole purpose. And also, I want to say this, a delayed response to what God is asking you to do is also disobedience. When you're like, oh, I'll do it when I feel like it, that's disobedience. A delayed response is disobedience. Not doing it at all is is disobedience to God. And if you have the fear of God and you're walking in what, caring about what he thinks of you, you're not going to want to be disobedient. So... For me, I want to share this story with you guys real quick. I, not too long ago, we had a conference at my church and there was a prophet that came in. My husband and I got to really know him throughout the years. Our whole trajectory of life changed because of him pouring into us. So we're, we really cherish him and the wisdom that he has and the advice that he has. So he, one of the nights we went to, another church campus that we have that's in that's about two hours away from us and my husband and I were able to drive back with our pastor and with a prophet so when on our way back during this drive he started to ask me if I had any questions and I asked him a question about something that took place for me on a mission trip and I'm like what does this mean long story short he started to just pour into me and tell me what that meant and what the Lord was doing in my life. And it all resonated with me. It was a confirmation. But at the end, my pastor was like, I want you to go listen to this song. And when you listen to the song, let me know what you think. So I went home, I listened to the song and I got emotional and I couldn't listen to the rest of it because it was just speaking to me in a way that I wasn't fully ready. But in the morning I was like, all right, Lord, I'm going to talk to you about this situation and see what happens. Because I didn't want to talk about it last night, but now I'm ready to talk about it. There was just some things that the Lord was bringing up that I needed to deal with. So that morning, I I put the song on and I started to listen to it. And I, when I tell you I became undone, I became so undone. The fear of God hit the room. It was so strong and so evident. I was glued to the floor. I could not get up. I was sobbing. 
I'm telling you for two hours straight, my husband went and got coffee and went to the store and things and my kids were asleep. I was, I've never cried like that in my life. And I'm not even like joking. It was so strong. The, the presence of God was so strong in my living room. I was glued to the floor. I was sobbing in his presence. All the things, there was like some prideful things that I had to deal with. There were some things that came up that I didn't even remember. And I just started to repent for those things. I'm like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I was seeing these certain things from this perspective. I just started to like go through all the things. And it was so freeing. It also changed my perspective because one thing that I had to, I've been walking through and having to overcome is being, a, having the fear of man. But when the fear of God hit that room, that fear of man was pushed out because when I started to get around people later on that day and all throughout the weekend, my perspective was different. I no longer cared because usually in my mind, I'm like, oh my goodness, what do they think? What are they going to say? What if I did this and they think that? I no longer had that daunting thing in my mind. It wasn't like tormenting me. I was free and I was able to truly just say, okay, Lord, you're telling me to do this. I'm going to do it. There was no hesitation. I shared that with you because when you submit to God and you have that fear of God, you don't care about what man thinks. You don't overthink it. You're not like, oh, what if so-and-so says this? What if so-and-so says that? So therefore, I'm not going to do it. When God told you to do that specific thing, when God tells you to do something and you have the fear of God, you're going to do it. There's no hesitation. There's no fear. But when you don't realize that and you don't have that, that revelation, and you didn't feel that that fear of God, then it's sometimes is you get to that point where you're like, oh, I'm just going to do it when I feel like it. And it's like, no. So we have to submit to God. It's not even a game. Like, I feel like we, we play around, especially as women. We play around because we overthink things. But I'm telling you now that this is the season where we're not going to overthink things. I pray that you have an experience with God that trembles you in the same way. So much so that when he asks you to jump, you say, how high? When he asks you to do something, you won't hesitate. You won't have a fear. You won't overthink it, but you'll just jump right into it. Because as we're getting closer and closer to the end times, we cannot play. There's an urgency. And so he's going to breathe on the ones that are willing to just go all the way and not hesitate. But the ones that are playing games, sitting on the sidelines, sleeping and slumbering, choosing to be distracted, we don't have time to waste. And so you have to submit to God. I mean, you don't have to, but if you don't, then you're just going to be sitting up on the sidelines wishing you coulda, shoulda, woulda. But if we can submit to God, be obedient to what he's asking us to do, then it's going to be easy to, to, to submit to other things. First, we submit to God, and then it becomes easy to submit to your husband. And then it becomes easy to submit to the leadership that you have in your local church and the people that are over you. You don't try to buck the system and be rebellious. And if you have that rebellious spirit or you want to be a rebel with the cause, that's not right either. Because we're not called to be rebels. We're called to submit and yield to what the spirit of God is wanting us to do during this time. And there's so many people that try to rebel. Rebellion is witchcraft. So if that's you and you think it's cute, it's not cute. You're operating in witchcraft. And when I heard that, because I used to sit there and claim rebellion. I'm like, yeah, I'm rebellious. I got a re I'm a rebel with the cause. I thought it was cute until I heard someone say that. I'm like, oh my goodness. I didn't realize that. And so when you begin to realize those things and you have a revelation and and you have and you experience that fear of God, you don't want to play games anymore. You don't want to get to the point where you're just 
sitting on the sidelines and not doing what God's called you to do. So that was number 10. And I'm going to go back and read the six through 10 one more time. So that you guys can, or you ladies can take notes and remember this. So number six is to be generous. Number seven is hardworking, to be hardworking. That's a trait of a godly woman. Number eight is to be full of God's wisdom. That's so important. Number, I'm sorry, that was number one, two, three, four, five. That was number nine, to be full of God's wisdom. I skipped number eight. Number eight is trustworthy, to be a trustworthy person. Number nine is full of God's wisdom. And then number 10 is to be submitted to God to walk in the obedience to what he's telling you to do. And I hope that this encouraged you. I know that when I was going through these and looking it up in scripture, which I'll have a graphic for that. So if you're not following me on social media, it's speak life project underscore. You don't want to miss all the things that we release. It's really good resources for you to be able to munch on throughout your week to encourage you and to help you to keep going. But if you, Follow me on there. You'll be able to see the scriptures and things that I use for the godly traits of a woman. And it encouraged me as I was doing this because I'm like, man, I could definitely work on this. I can be stronger in this area. Man, I'm really lacking in this area. It's non-existent. So it helped me to have a reevaluation of my life because I want to always continue to grow. I never want to get to the place where I'm stagnant. I want to continue to grow in the things of God. And the only way to do that is to be real and honest with yourself, to partner with the Holy Spirit and ask him to show you the areas that you don't know that you need to grow in. So having lists like this is really helpful. And I hope that it encourages you today to continue to grow towards the things of God and to have traits of a godly woman, because not only does it help ourselves and have us draw closer to God, but it also is a good representation of who he is. If you're single people, that's attractive to be a godly woman and to just have all these traits. That's attractive. And you'll see that people will want to be around you. If you're dating, that's attractive. They're going to be like, Oh my goodness, I'm proud to have this future person in my life to marry. And then if you're married and you have these traits as well, your husband's going to be like, yeah, that's my wife. He's going to be happy to have you as his wife, because you're, you're sweet, you're kind, you're gentle, you're faithful, you're trustworthy. You're all the things that people and women around aspire to be. So it's really important to continue to grow and not stay stagnant and not stay in the same place and not de be depressed, but be joyful. So there's probably 50 more that I can go through. And I think throughout the year, I'm going to release some more traits of a godly woman because I think it's important and we should all all grow towards that and want to grow towards it if you really love God with all your heart. So Lord, I just pray for each and every lady on here. I just pray that with the rest of these traits that you would help them to evaluate the areas that they cannot see. And through those areas and through that evaluation, Lord, I just pray that they would be able to see the areas that they can continue to grow in, Lord. And through that growth, they can point others to Christ through the light that's shining through them as they're reflecting you in their lives, Lord. And I just pray that you would help them to 
show others who you are through their life's journey. And I thank you for them and all that they're going to do for your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember to speak life always, and I'll catch you next week. Bye.